Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. Hello, it's Monday the 24th of July. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. First up, there are fears about an apparent rise in catapult attacks on Sheppey. Residents have reported cars and properties being damaged and animals injured. Lauren's been taking a look at the story. Well, Kent Online's been speaking to a man called Keith Larkin who missed an important hospital appointment about his cancer treatment after his car was attacked on East Church Road. He'd previously spoken to a group of teenagers with catapults and thinks they targeted him as revenge. The tyres of his Land Rover Discovery were slashed, wing mirrors were broken and paintwork scratched. The 64-year-old had to cancel his appointment at Medway Maritime Hospital and couldn't get another one for a month. And I understand he's not the only one who's been affected. Yes, that's right. Rushenden resident Stephen Wayne discovered his vehicle's windscreen smashed when it was parked on the same road. He thinks whoever did it used a hammer and it stopped him from being able to work. Elsewhere in Minster, people are worried about squirrels and pigeons being killed by catapults. Rhonda Bigham says she saw youngsters targeting seagulls on the beach and says something needs to be done about it. So what's the response been from Kent Police? Well, it's not actually illegal to own a catapult, but you can be arrested if it's been used to cause damage or harm. A spokesperson for the force said they're aware of reports of a vehicle being damaged and are calling on anyone with information to come forward. They went on to say officers from Swales Neighbourhood Task Force are working to identify those behind any antisocial behaviour in the area and take action against them. Residents are being urged to report incidents or concerns through the Kent Police website or by calling 999 if a crime is in progress. Thanks, Lauren. Kent Online reports. Elsewhere today, two teenagers have been jailed for the murder of a young man in Tunbridge. Thomas War was stabbed to death after he and his friends were robbed at knife points in a park last August. The 20-year-old tried to distract the suspects so his friends could escape and was chased to a car park where he was killed. Police have given us footage of the moment 18-year-old Rocco Mustafa from Colesden in South London was arrested. He can be seen lying in bed with no top on after being handcuffed by officers. Morning. All right, mate. So you have basically been identified as being involved in the, potentially being involved in a murder in Tunbridge on the 19th. Okay, so at the moment you're going to be placed under arrest on suspicion of murder. You do not have to say anything, but it may harm a defence. You do not mention when question something which you lay to in court, and I think you do say maybe given an evidence. Understand? So you need clothes. He's now been sentenced to more than 18 years in prison. Another boy, Reese Willis, who's 17 and from Barden Park Road in Tunbridge, has been locked up for 14 years for his role in the murder. A national task force is going to be set up in response to the baby death scandal at East Kent Hospitals. An independent investigation into maternity failings at the QEQM in Margate and Ashford's William Harvey found 45 baby deaths could have been avoided. The task force will be chaired by the government's Minister for Women's Health Strategy to look at how care can be improved. Next up, we've been hearing from a Tunbridge Wells dad who's caught up in the devastating wildfires in Greece. Bill Mew arrived in Rhodes with his wife and son on Saturday and found they were unable to go to their resort. They've been put up in emergency accommodation while their tour operator tries to arrange a flight back to the UK. He's been speaking to Abby Hook from our sister TV station KMTV. 
we flew in um, to what was a, a disaster scenario, but thankfully we're safe. It's uh, not what we expected. It's not ideal, um, but um, we're at least safe. We've got it better than many of the locals who are facing losing homes like Dilmore. Now, I imagine you were really looking forward to, to a holiday, especially for yourself and your family in particular. Now, can you share your personal story with us? Uh, yeah, I've, I've been battling with uh, bowel cancer, so I've had um, a fairly difficult time over the last few months. And um, we'd invested in a, a, a big luxury holiday for two weeks as a sort of unwinding after some of what we've been through. So we were really looking forward to this. And obviously, uh, a big luxury holiday at uh, the peak season doesn't come cheap. And um, it's uh, massively disappointing, not only to myself, but to uh, my wife and son who are out here with me as well. As you can imagine, demand for flights back from the Greek island is very high at the moment. But some people are still heading out there for a holiday. Nicola's been chatting to Tunbridge Wells travel agent Chris Scoble. I know last time we spoke obviously you were saying it's going to cost people a lot of money if they decide to cancel their holidays but seeing the the footage that you know people would see on the telly at the moment it must be very concerning for them if they are going to that area for a summer break. What would your advice be at the moment? Yeah so actually this might be a slightly different situation because what we were talking about previously was just purely heat related rather than an actual incident. So most tour operators will be very, very helpful, and I'm sure they're out of rebook. Generally, tour operators are not going to say that the day this has happened. Their main concern is to getting people home and um, making sure safety is first, and then we can talk about rebooking holidays. OK, so they are in a slightly better situation then, because unfortunately, as to, to what's happened, um, have you got anyone who is due to travel there? Yes, tomorrow. <laughs> um, but um, that's to Corfu, to be fair. And the area of Corfu, again, that they're travelling is, again, is regionised, is fairly safe at the moment. That may change overnight, but we're monitoring literally by the hour um, our customers and exactly where, you know, where they're going. The Foreign Office has also sent staff to the area to support British holidaymakers. Armed police have surrounded a vehicle and arrested four men after an aggravated burglary at a property in Kent. The firearms officers were called to Swanstree Avenue in Sittingbourne after reports of a raid in Jack Dunbar Avenue in Ashford. We've got video of the dramatic scenes in the story at Kent Online. It's been revealed a fire that broke out at Lydon Hill Racetrack started in the battery of an electric race car. Organisers say the vehicle was charging when the blaze broke out, destroying two race cars and the entire Special One racing area. Nine fire engines were sent to the track on Friday morning and some of the World Rally Championship races had to be cancelled over the weekend. Kent Online reports. A doctor's surgery in Sittingbourne has been rated as one of the worst in the country. Only 17% of patients at Green Porch Medical Centre said their care was good, according to an NHS survey. That's the second worst figure in England. Bosses say GPs are working hard to give people a positive experience. There are concerns about the number of new houses being built near Sittingbourne as residents struggle with poor phone signal. People living in Iwade say they hardly ever have 4G and even sat-navs stop working as you drive through the village. Our reporter Megan Carl's been chatting to councillor James Hunt who moved there just over 10 years ago. It's always been really bad um, whenever you try and do anything online unless you've got the Wi-Fi signal uh, you just can't use phones at all. Um, for, for businesses especially it's, it's not... Not good. Um, some people, especially now working from home, rely on 
an internet connection and using their phones. Um, and, and if broadband does go down, that, that's the only other link they've got. So working from home especially is, is no good at all. Of course. And how long has this kind of been going on for? You live in the area. How long have you been here? I've lived here since um, 2012, I think. Um, and it's been like it the whole time. There's, there's been various things done by the parish council in the past to try and get things working, but that hasn't hasn't worked at all. Um, there's one Vodafone came in and, and did a trial for rural areas, um, but that, that hasn't worked really. People still complain that they can't get the signal from that. I mean, it's not just here either. There's Snorfields, there's, to be honest, there's lots of rural areas around Sittingbourne, but also those rural areas are getting new housing developments. Yeah, there's a lot of new housing. Um, and, and it's not just the rural areas, it is in, in the town centre as well. You can't get a signal in some places. But you'd think that with the 5G and the rollout that companies are doing now, with new housing especially, and areas expanding, you'd think that that's be something that would be looked at. Um, but I've, I've looked at it in the past with, with planning and there's nothing saying that the companies for um, mobile phones have to be um, consulted on it. And that, that's something I think needs to be looked at to, to make sure that when new developments are put in place that the infrastructure for, for mobiles is, is in there. I mean, there's some people that moan when these big 5G towers are put up, but sadly, in today's age, it's it's kind of a necessity. Do you agree or...? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think there is still some concerns around um, cellular masts, um, whether they have an impact on health and things, but I think there's enough um, work being done now to know that that may not be the case. And I think people are more accepting that they, they need a mobile signal and those things are, are necessary to, to be put in place. Some people have got in touch to say that they're unable to make doctor's appointments sometimes. It's not just internet, but actual phone signal, talking on the phone as yeah. well. Have you found that also? Have yeah, definitely, especially if something like that or you've got an important phone call that you're doing, it just cuts out completely in the middle of it. Um, annoying when you're in a queue for something, especially with, with a doctor's surgery. At the moment, appointments are difficult anyway. You're, you're in a, a waiting in a queue. Um, and then all of a sudden you get cut off. So it's, it's just not good at all for anybody. It's understood there are plans to build a phone mast in the village to tackle the issue. Residents who live near a Faversham estate have been left frustrated after a lock was installed on a gate to a busy cut-through. Trinity Estates say it placed the coded lock near Lakeside Avenue to protect those living on the private estate from antisocial behaviour and theft. But locals feel it's unfairly cutting off access for dog walkers, fishermen and schoolchildren. Almost half a million pounds is being spent on improving water supplies to a Kent village, but it could cause six months of traffic jams. Upper Street in Leeds near the castle is set to be blocked until January. It's a key route linked to the A20 and Sutton Road, but South East Water say the work is vital. Now, the man behind controversial designs for two new tower blocks in Folkestone has defended how they look. They're part of plans for 600 homes on the Harbour Arm, along with shops and leisure facilities. But some have described the towers as looking like something out of the Flintstones. Our reporter Oliver Leonard's been speaking to the architect, Duarte Lobo and Tunis. It's been a good opportunity to explain what we've been, what we've been doing, uh, also to clarify some things regarding the heights of the buildings and what was already consented and kind of what we're seeking 
um, people's comments on that. Or, and I think once you explain that to people, they are extremely receptive to kind of hearing what we have to say. Um, a lot of the people that we've met today have been to the other public consultations and exhibitionally. So, you know, it's kind of just an interesting opportunity to meet them again, show, you know, how the design has evolved since last time, what changes we've implemented. And a lot of them have been, uh, kind of came out of the, of the public consultation itself. So yeah, so far, good. So obviously the images, um, the latest CGI's got released this week. Yeah. And I think that shocked quite a few people. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen I have. some of the reactions. So it got compared to the Flintstones. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I actually went back and, and, and rewatched some Flintstones episodes and I didn't see anything as cool as what we've designed, but yeah. Okay. And so are these designs that are released, are they open to be changed or? Yeah, I think to an extent. I mean, just regards the reactions online, I think once you come to the public exhibition, um, I think people's views are much more moderated by what they're seeing. They actually get to see the model, they get to experience the VR, um, see the panels, understand the process behind this. And, you know, Im images released online uh, in a rather kind of cold way uh, are just, you know, very much open for interpretation and, you know, in common sections of newspapers aren't necessarily where the constructive debate about how our cities will change happens. I think we can agree on that. Okay, so you think that these designs will be something that people grow to like? I think, I think both. You know, basically we take this step by step. We're a very process-driven office. So we're here to have this public consultation, to hear what people have to say. I think some of those things will be, um, you know, things that we might have not thought about or uh, things that we might agree with, you know, with, with what, you know, people said. So um, some things will change, some things will remain, um, and hopefully... As, as the design matures, as, as people get used to um, the change that's happening uh, on this site, yeah, hopefully people will, will, will grow to, to enjoy these. Kent Online reports. Residents are worried their postal service could get worse as opening hours are slashed at Royal Mail customer service points. It's happened at nearly half of the company's sites in Kent, including Tannery Lane sorting office and delivery points in Ashford. They're blaming it on changes in customer behaviour, but some people say hours are being cut so much it's hardly worth opening at all. Bosses at a popular boxing club in Maidstone fear they could be forced to close because the building they're in is set to be demolished. They've been based at Heather House since 2018, but the council have permission to knock it down and build a new community centre. The club need a boxing ring set up permanently and say there's nowhere else they can use. A grandmother from Bolton-on-Chelsea says she's frustrated as missing fence panels have created a shortcut through her home. A section of the fence between cul-de-sac's Foster Clark Drive and Bodkins Close blew down in a storm last March. And Sandra Larson says the council are refusing to take responsibility for the remaining two panels, despite them previously fixing five. She's been chatting to our reporter, Cara Simmons. Well, we're worried about the devaluation of our property and the lack of security now. 
And this was, you know, I didn't want to then worry everybody else about it. I thought, I'll let we sort it and then they won't have to know that they're at risk. Mm. So, I mean, I still haven't, I mean, the, the, our two neighbours know, but mm. I haven't gone in the street. Because quite honestly, the people up the other end don't know, mm. actually. Actually, two houses came up for sale and I did actually write to the estate agents and mm. said, are you sure you're allowed to refer to them as in a quiet cul-de-sac? Because technically, they're no longer in the cul-de-sac. Mm. They're in a vehicular cul-de-sac, but not not a, a pedestrian. Yeah. So. And obviously, take me through... Obviously, you were pointing out how you've got a shed there, mm -hmm. um, and it's obviously it's a private property, mm. um, and you obviously saw people walking through. I mean, how does it... It, it must feel sort of not, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but unsafe because, yeah. and, and you feel like, you know, because people walking past all the time now. Uh. Exactly. And also, before we felt quite safe having parcels delivered on the doorstep and our neighbours too. And, you know, occasionally we might forget to close the window and we wouldn't drop it off and then later, oh, do I leave the window open? Because it used to happen. Now we're paranoid about making sure we close the windows because someone coming by, who knows, you know. Maidstone Borough Council say they've reviewed the legal documents in relation to the ownership and designated boundaries. Their spokesman says they're satisfied they've responded to and replaced the fence panels which fall under the council's responsibility. A well-known Cranbrook pub has suddenly been boarded up. Pictures on the website today show the windows of the White Horse on the high street covered in metal screens. The building's been used as a pub since the 1880s and there was controversy two years ago when permission was given to build homes on the car park. It's not known yet if it's likely to happen. The UK's first hydrogen-powered winery could be built on farmland near Ashford. Planning permission for the facility's already been granted, and now the plot of land in Edgerton's been put up for sale for just over half a million pounds. It's hoped an eco-friendly winemaker will be interested in building it. Kent Online News. A man from Seven Oaks is hoping to raise thousands of pounds for charity by riding his bike to all 92 English football league stadiums in just four weeks. Weeks. Daniel Brazanel is on a mission to support Great Ormond Street Hospital. He says cycling two and a half thousand miles will be a huge challenge. I'm a gardener and uh, I love challenges. And one of my nieces had cancer back in the day, like at the age of 12. So I've done a few little running events for her. Um, and then she's passed everything, so she's all good, which is quite nice. And um, then I think while I'm still fit enough to do something, for me personally, I just feel if I can give something back to someone, and Great Ormond Street, I decided because it's a great hospital, uh, they deal with so much, I think it's 637 kids a day. So I wanna really try and do something amazing, what I think this is, because I love football, so going to every football stadium in the all, all 92 is gonna be something else, but the challenge is, I think a bit bigger than what most people would uh, try and take on, but we'll see how we go. But to go to all 92, I think, is a, a young kid's dream to visit all 92 football league clubs in their lifetime. And doing it within, I think, 24 days is, uh, I think that's going to be quite impressive, really. The bike uh, shop in Seven Oaks, uh, the bike warehouse, Tim and a guy called Jim, they said what bike I would need is uh, an Endurance 6000. Uh, really nice bike. They looked for one to say this would be the one for me. 
um, because of the distances that I'll be traveling. So I just went with them. I'm not a cyclist. Um, that's another good thing as well. So it's all different. But no, the bike will be, it's all prepared. I've done a um, trial ride on it. I've done 100 miles the other week. Uh, 27 hours, 24 minutes. So I was happy with that. I've given myself 10 hours every day to ride 100 miles. So we'll see how it goes. I just feel with, uh, with kids and parents, obviously, as well, um, with the charity it is for, it's the way that I see it is that parents don't know how their kid's going to be six months down the line. They might have an illness that you think, well, oh, it's a little illness, they'll be okay next week, but they don't really know. So the money that goes to these kids and parents, really, it's, it's just a bonus because whatever we can raise, if I think it's around £4,000 for each new machine at Great Ormond Street. So every £4,000, say, to these kids and the parents, if we get more machines, hopefully they survive a lot quicker and everything's good. So fingers crossed. He starts the ride on the 14th of August. A man from Hull who lost his wallet on a night out in Medway says he's gobsmacked after someone posted it back to him. Kelvin Walker travelled more than 200 miles to meet up with some old friends last month. He put a post out on social media when he realised his wallet was missing. It contained irreplaceable pictures of his daughter when she was a newborn baby. Kelvin says he's so grateful to the person who sent it back. And a Kent Vineyard has been named as the most Instagrammable in the UK. Chapel Down in Tenterden has been tagged more than 20,000 times. The nearby Gosborne Estate was also in the top 10 with just over 3,000 tags. Kent Online Sport. In cricket, the rain ended any hope of England regaining the Ashes as the final day of the fourth test was a complete washout. The match ended in a draw despite Kent's Zach Crawley scoring a massive 189 in the first innings at Old Trafford. He says it's really frustrating. I think the fact that you know we played a lot of good cricket in the first three days put ourselves in a chance to win it on day three and then maybe had a chance to win it yesterday and then the rain cost us on both occasions. So, um, yeah, I know we had a few chances, but, um, yeah, we, and we played really, really well as a team, so it's disappointing. There's still one game to play, but Australia are guaranteed to retain the urn. That's all from us today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. You can also get details on the top stories directed to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.